So before everyone um, has a chance to listen to this upcoming podcast, first of all, I want to thank you for listening. Um, secondly, this is a really important podcast to me and close to me in my heart. Um, I just want everyone who's listening who may be in this situation of abuse, who are being abused physically, sexually, financially, emotionally, um, you know, or notice things that are going on with their children, please, please have the courage to stand up for yourself, for your children, um, for your future. Look in your community for someone who is um, trained um, and professionals in this field because a lot of people sometimes in families don't know what to do um, because this is a sensitive topic. Please reach out to shelters in your community, um, anyone who will be able to assist you. There's a sense of urgency with so many things going on for people to find ways out and not sit into it, even if it means financially, there are resources where shelters can help pay um, for new apartments for you until you get on your feet, hook you up with counselors, lawyers, legal, anything that you need, there's help for you. So don't feel like you're alone. Please share this podcast with anyone who may need it. And um, please enjoy this podcast. Leave comments at the end on the Acres app. I'm really interested. And if you'd like for me to even reach out to you, um, please do not be afraid to contact me, and I can guide you in the right direction. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to another episode of April World Speaking. Um, I did promise interview style uh, moving forward, um, but I just noticed that I didn't have an interviewer this week. They are scheduled like in the next following week, so I have a free week. And to all the listeners of the April Roll podcast on the Anchor app, I want to once again thank you for taking the time to listen um, to my podcast. They're very personal to me. Um, it just kind of details a few things. Um, on my solo podcast, I just talk about things that's personal to me and relatable to me in my life. And then my interview style is basically people that I've recognized who are true, authentic people within themselves, within my life. Um, you know, I do base my podcast on culture because I'm African-American female. And I just think that, you know, there's so many questions from outside races, maybe, if they're interested about the things that we go through as African-Americans and more specifically as African-American females. You know, there's a lot of things that are personal to us, such as hair or raising children, single motherhood, things of that nature. So I try to be very transparent um, in that um, on my solo podcast. And today I just decided that because it's kind of being touched on on a lot of my podcasts and I'm getting a lot of questions outside of the podcast as to um, if I will be able to reveal like why I made the decision to transition and to like leave my husband and get a divorce and I've grappled with it. You know, I'm just like, I don't know if I'm ready to reveal that, but I really think that, you know, like one of my podcast interviewees said, it's very essential to my story and, and to get me to open up and uh, to get people to understand my journey a little bit more it just was not this hop, skip and a jump. Um to get to New Orleans. It was it was dedication, it was thought, it was planning, it was secrecy, you know, not letting people know my decision until I actually did it. 
you know, how to say real gangsters, they move in silence, like for real. Like I had to move in silence to make this decision or it would not have been successful. So um, in my last podcast, I had an interview with my best friend, Casey Kessler, and she touched on something in my journey that, you know, I actually slept in the car. So I just decided with this free week that I'll just kind of go through the process. I'm still going through maybe the tail end of this process, but I think I'm through it enough to the point where I can give some tips out to some of the listeners who may be going through the same situation. Um, So this is the most transparent, personal, vulnerable story that I've put out there. You know, I've, I've had podcasts where I've had feedback that people actually started crying and I don't want this to be a depressing podcast. I want this to be inspirational to you. I want this to motivate you. I want this podcast to make you feel that you are a badass in good terms, a badass that you can do anything you want in this life that is positive. I'm not talking about anything negative out in the streets or anything like that because I'm all about positivity. So I guess I'll get started. So um, I've been married and I'm still married to this day um, to my son's father. So I have four children in total and I was in a relationship with my girl's father for close to maybe seven years and I had two beautiful daughters and that relationship kind of fizzled out. I I held on to it longer than like I brought up in the last podcast past this expiration date because I'm a type of person that I'm going to follow through all the way to the end. I'm going to try every avenue to keep that relationship strong until the point I see that other person just don't want the relationship you know, and um, I tend to do that on a repeated basis um, to a fault because I think I don't want to hurt people's feelings, even though I know for myself I'm not good in the situation and I need to get out. So that relationship fizzled out after the second child. And um, I had a period of maybe a year or two where I was single And I did really well. I bought my very first home in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Um, I graduated from my college in the University of Illinois at Chicago. And after I had my second child and I was going through a breakup with him, the, the father, I decided to move back to Fort Wayne, where I was originally from. And I bought a home and I got a job at one of the top Fortune 500 companies. And they're actually located in Fort Wayne, Indiana, oddly enough. And... So what ended up happening, I actually, you know, dated a few guys and um, just lived my life as a single mom and took care of my daughters and co-parented with their dad because he he had relocated back to Fort Wayne um, as well. And so I, w- I kind of had a good cycle going on as far as having my alone time because they would be with their dad every other weekend. Um, working, taking care of the kids, dating. I just... Um, I just was on this like really good cycle and being with my family, having gatherings. And so what naturally happened, um, one night, one of my friends, um, invited me to go out to a very well-known 
bar in Fort Wayne. Everybody from Fort Wayne probably know this bar that's on the south side of town that everybody goes to. And I didn't go very often. I didn't frequent it a lot, but I know it's well known and it's really laid back. So I went. And so this particular person that I went out with was a, probably a decade older than me. I tend to hang with people that are older. Even since high school, I kind of just never connected with people my age based on like topics. Sometimes I was just not interested and not to feel like I'm better than the people that was my age. It was just my thought press process because I was a Jehovah's Witness. It was just so much further in life. So anyways, I, I went out with a friend that was older. And so um, there was a guy there that wanted to speak with me and she knew him because I think she went to school with him and it was ended up being my future husband, which is weird because I met him in a bar that might have been a red flag in itself. So anyways we he sat next to me um he bought me a drink he wanted to dance um we exchanged numbers and he promised to call me the next day and he didn't and so i don't know if that's a red flag but he called me the following monday so i went out saturday sunday he didn't call on monday and we had really good conversation on the phone and he stayed on the phone and he stayed on the phone and i just thought oh this is odd most guys you know after a certain amount of time they're ready to get off but he stayed on and come to find out he's a truck driver so this is very essential to the story so he's a truck driver and we had really good phone conversation um and he had a dedicated route so he would be back in fort wayne and so we ended up dating and honestly like from that week like we were together and I had set some boundaries because I was a single mom like I'm co-parenting with their dad my kids are little I have to get them ready for their dad I need to go um but we ended up spending so much time together to the point um you know we just decided because he was staying with the sister another red flag um he just said that he had a family home and something happened to it so he stayed with his sister and i'm like okay well we like each other we enjoy each other we've been dating for ugh, it was like a couple months and we just made the decision you know i own my home it wasn't very very expensive my very first home and i said well let's you know stay together and my mom flipped out okay I have a mom that is very into my life. Um, if anybody knows me or know my mother, they know our relationship. She, you know, raised me to be this particular way, to love Jehovah, um, you know, to be a go-getter, very encouraging, very motivating, you know, very close to me in my relationships just to monitor and watch. And so when she heard that I brought this man into my home, um, she flipped out. So that that's a very essential part of the story too because what ended up happening a lot of the family members would get information just through my mom because she was so unhappy and so I kind of felt like I was fighting this battle to protect him because there was information getting out about him that wasn't necessarily I didn't feel it was true but you know from her perspective it was true so it almost felt like misinformation so this is essential too because I felt like I was rebelling against my mom I may have seen signs in my ex or about to be ex, but I ignored it to prove a point to my mother. So anyways, fast forward and me and him just went through a lot of breakups in this time. A lot of breakups. We enjoyed each other on our alone time. Like 
oh my God, we could be with each other for hours and hours and hours. The girls would be with their dad and then he would still be there when they would come home from their dad. And he tried to build a relationship with them. But what ultimately ended up happening is I noticed that he would have conversations with other women. And I felt as a woman, I didn't want to feel so overbearing, like you need to let go of all of your friends. But I noticed that one time he actually was talking to an ex and I said, absolutely not. We're not going to do that. So I don't want to be an overbearing person and say, hey, you can't have girlfriends. But we ended up having a conversation. He didn't like me to have guy friends. So pretty much he agreed, but it just was not consistent within the relationship where he would see someone from his past and get so excited. Maybe someone he dated or, you know, he has a big family of nephews, somebody they dated and, you know, he would end up hugging them. And I'm like, I feel uncomfortable with that as well. I'm standing right here next to you. So there were so many red flags, but I enjoyed his company. And so I kind of like did, I just glossed over it. So there's a point in the story where it actually started to turn controlling. That was the start of it. And then it turned abusive. So it was controlling to the point that, you know, I'm in this whole routine of being a single mom and having my own home and living my own life and lived in Chicago. And, you know, I was young. So I would be there'd be times that I would just dress in a normal young woman dress with a, a skirt that may have been above my knees or you know, maybe a half top because I always like showing my belly and he would just be like, why are you wearing that? You're in a relationship with me. And I'm like, because I've always dressed like this and I feel like this is what I want to wear today. So I noticed there would be things that he would be unhappy with and I would tend to change it to stop the stress in the relationship. So it started with control and then it started to be more, I would say, passionate um, passionate physical touch to the point if I wanted to leave he kind of would push me to the side because he was very tall he's a very tall guy um, about 6'3", six, 6'4", six, and I'm 5'4", so he kind of would stand in my way push me to the side and I actually yeah I don't remember the first time he actually hit me because there had been times in between where the physical push to the side would become intense more intense so I can't really say the first time he hit me but I do know that there was one time that me and him got into a super heated argument and he just went off on me in front of my daughters to the point they just had they were frozen and it was fear in their eyes. And so what ended up happening after that, you know, I talked to them, I was bruised up, I tried to keep it in the house and they ended up, you know, cause they go with their father every other weekend and bother them to the point that they told him. So now it's starting to get out that he's being physically abusive. My family members are getting wind of it. They're interacting with him and I'm still trying to defend him because at this point I'm emotionally attached to him. So me and him, we're trying to stick it out in a relationship. We break up, we get back together, we break up and I ended up getting pregnant. Oh my gosh. I, and it was on a breakup. Like, uh, I just don't want to be with him anymore, but found out that I was pregnant. So he goes through this whole thing. Um, and this is kind of a controlling behavior, but he's like, it's not mine. Um, because something did happen to the point I did date somebody else, but it 
I just knew for sure that this was his baby. So up through the pregnancy, he was actually excited because I think he was still in love with me. So he was everything I needed. Um, he was in and out of a job. He was staying with me. He was a truck driver. I was stressed. So it was a really stressful time. Here comes the baby, my son, Andrew. Um, he's so happy. I'm happy, but yet he still wanted a blood test. And I'm like, whatever, just take the blood test. Let's get this over with. And it ended up being his son. And so we're going through life. We're still kind of arguing, but it calmed down a little bit because of the baby. So he's happy and distracted. Um, and I'm out of work for about a year. I actually stayed home. He got a job like right after I had the baby, literally like a couple weeks later. So I stayed home almost a year with Andrew and I was ready to get back into the job market. And after that year, I moved to Indianapolis, Indiana, got a really, really good job. He was a truck driver. He moved down with me, got, a, you know, a, he started working some jobs. And so now I'm separated from my family, moved away from Fort Wayne. I'm separated. I thought it was a good thing. He's separated from his family. So now we can really meld together. It did not stop the arguing. Um, I felt isolated. We argued. Um, my kids are still seeing us argue to the point the girls would be with their father. Sometime I would meet him halfway. And one time me and him got it. He would wait a lot of times till the girls were gone to like intensify the arguments and become physical. And I still had feelings that maybe he was talking to other women, which is even worse because I'm in a new city. So one time we got into it so bad, like my baby was on the floor and me and him was literally tussling on the floor. And my little one was 10 months old and just crawling. And he knew something was wrong to the point that he crawled over on top of me to protect me from his dad. And his dad looked at him and he kind of like got jugged out of it or whatever. Like, oh my God, my baby's right here. And he got off of me. So that's something that I need the listeners to know as far as their children. My son was 10 months old. This lets you know that babies can even feel there's something wrong. My son at 10 months tried to protect me. He was crying. He crawled towards me. So moving on, we actually, and this is so crazy in me because we went through this cycle of breakup, makeup. I'm sorry. I won't hit you. I won't do this to the point we ended up getting married bad decision I know but at the time I feel like okay I had his baby I have three children now I'm away from my family I feel like I love him I never really felt honestly an intense love for him but I loved him and I felt like you know when he would apologize things would kind of go my way you know I kind of had the upper hand if I wanted to keep the relationship he wanted it and we ended up getting married and so here's some stuff that really ended up, this is the crazy, another crazy part of it. Less than two years later, maybe 18 months later, I don't even know because Andrew was still in diapers. I got pregnant again, but I was married. So to this point, at this point, I really think he was cheating. He was on the road. He was not calling me a lot. And what ended up happening is he venomously denied this baby. And I just thought it was so odd because one, he's like, I just wanted one child with you. You know, I have grown children. So he denied this baby and we were married. And there was no way I didn't date. You know, now I'm kind of in the thick of it being controlled, this and that. So 
I had the baby, went back to work. Um, I think I even went through postpartum depression because now I'm away from the family. I don't have as much help. I asked him, hey, can we change shifts to where we don't have two babies in diapers and I'm giving all my money to daycare because he was paying like the rent. So he's like, you pay for childcare. But I was essentially giving my whole check over to childcare because our household income was was pretty good because he was working and I was working. But what happens to middle working class families, you get no assistance at all for childcare for anything. So I'm literally going to work, pumping my boobs, breastfeeding up at night. Now he did help. He was very good and helpful with the boys. Um, but I noticed this is a hard part with having a blended family. I didn't feel he was giving enough attention to my daughter's. And there was contentious relationship building. My daughter, my oldest was starting middle school. There was a contentious relationship because she knew he was hitting his mom, her mother. Um, now he has his own kids. She's away from her dad. So now I have another situation brewing with my youngest, my oldest daughter. So I let her stay with her dad for a little bit. Um, so she's going through her own thing, being away from me for the first time, went back to Fort Wayne. And so we're still pushing forward, we're still arguing, going through this cycle, getting, you know, I'm going through postpartum depression, um, still moving as a mom and cooking and cleaning and feeling like he's having relationships outside the marriage, but still like, okay, let's work on this. And so we ended up, we had, we were in an apartment, we ended up in a house in Fishers, Indiana. Oh my God. Absolutely one of the most non-diverse I can't even describe it neighborhoods in the United States it started to become like a hub like a small Silicon Valley a lot of startups so there's a lot of you know white people a lot of Indians it's it was it was diverse to the point where people who were interested in technology and so there was not a lot of African-Americans. And when we saw each other, we all felt it. So we would have blacks in the neighborhood like, oh, my God, I'm so happy you're in the neighborhood. So we, you know, would kind of talk a little bit. But what ended up happening, me and him still continued to argue. So, you know, that was probably looked down on in the neighborhood. Like, oh, my gosh, here comes this black family and they're arguing. Police have been called because he would get physical. I'm embarrassed. You know, my kids, they want to play with their friends, but their parents are wanting to know like what's going on. So now I'm in a situation where he would get so controlling to the point he would not pay the rent. And when it would get close to the end of the month, the arguments would intensify and he would disappear for days. So here I am going through postpartum, have to work, taking care of kids. The house was super expensive because it wasn't a mortgage. It was rent in one of the best neighborhoods in Indiana. And I have no clue where my husband is. So fast forward, I took a trip to New Orleans in the meantime with my mother and my sister. And I had the most wonderful time, enjoyed New Orleans, came back, and he literally didn't ask me how the trip was, um, didn't talk to me, was upset that I went. He claimed he had a good time with the kids, but I'm like, okay. So I went to sleep when I came back home and I noticed my phone was gone and the kids were like, I heard one of, I think the little, my son say, why do you have mommy's phone? He's literally going through my phone to see if I met anyone down there, but didn't ask me anything about the trip. So 
went through a whole nother year and just having all of these ups and downs. We literally had a family member on his side move in. We had fought, it was worse. Like we, we would go into the room and he would literally fight me and she, I'm sure she would hear it, but she didn't say anything. And that's something I feel that, you know, I wanted to touch on in podcast about African-American families, like holding in information and protecting, you know, family members that they know could be abusive, you know, and it's the same for family members for the person who's being abused. You know, it'll be a future podcast because there's other levels to this, but I'm trying to get through the story. So a whole nother year passed, still going through this abusive cycle. And I don't know, I think because I called the police, he was going to go to jail and he wanted me to drop the charges. So I have this prosecutor lady that I've known for a year and a half because me and him have been to court. You know, they want me not to drop charges. I dropped the charges. They're like, sorry, you can't drop the charges now. The state picked it up. And so they called me in and he, he talked to me before I went in. He's like, just drop the charges. We're going to move forward. And in my head, I was 50, 50. I was like, okay, I'm going to drop them. I'm going to push them, you know, I'm not going to show up, you know, if the state picks it up. So I go in to this meeting, me and him were literally, and guess what, arguing about the rent right before I went to the prosecutor office. And you would think a person who's about to get charges pulled on them would say, hey, I paid the rent, everything. No, he had the money in his pocket. Still, like this is how crazy this guy was. Still had the money in his pocket. Like, uh, yeah, you need to drop the charges. So I'm like going in, I'm like, hey, I don't know if I'm gonna show up. They're like, April, you have to show up. Like you may get a warrant if you don't show up. So that kind of helped convince me that I needed to show up to the court date. And not only that, the prosecutor said, April, I go through this a lot. I I don't know you as a person, but I I know you wanna do the right thing. And she looked at me and she said, there's this book that I want you to read. And it's by... um. It is by, it is called, Why Does He Do That? And basically the title says, why does he do that inside the minds of angry and controlling men? I want the listeners who are going through abusive relationships and people may not know or people may know, please go get this book because this book changed my life. It's the reason why I'm here in New Orleans. Why does he do that? That is the title and it's inside the minds of angry and controlling men. I read this book in less than a week and that is when I made the decision that I was going to leave. I didn't know exactly when. So in the meantime, I actually came to the Essence Fest in New Orleans again. He was supposed to go with me. I paid $500, six, $700 for his plane ticket. Me and my daughters were going to go with him. Um, we were just going to have a family trip. He, he has friends who have like timeshares. Um, you know, we had a group of friends that were married and they're like, Hey, you guys are going on a trip because they knew we were having issues. So they're like, they were so happy. They offered a timeshare to us. Well, as time get closer, here he goes arguing again. I'm like, here we go. He canceled the room last minute. Disappears. And I'm just devastated because now here I am, have tickets to go to New Orleans, have nowhere to stay. And this Essence Fest is like one of the top 
highest African-American, like every R&B soul celebrity is in New Orleans at this time. Where in the hell am I going to find a room? Yeah. So he left me high and dry once again. So I'm like, you know what? I'm still going. And I went to, and this is part of the story that I'll have to continue, but this hotel is very essential to my story as well. But I found a low budget hotel because I already wasted like $700 on his ticket. He didn't show up on the airplane, still took my daughters. And as I'm inside dying, because I know my relationship is totally over, he's making me not only be stressed, I'm going through postpartum, but financially as well controlling me lost money i'm like this relationship is totally over but i can't ruin this trip for my daughters we enjoyed ourselves i posted pictures online um there was this one particular picture like i can see my future like i knew in that moment that i was going to move to new orleans didn't know when so there's this picture online of that and my daughters are enjoying it the essence fest is all about empowerment and african-american women and entrepreneurs and i really think that helped drive my daughter because she's in the makeup industry now and she was only like 15 she's 16 now and she literally has been an entrepreneur for a year and she's fucking rocking out she has a um youtube channel Shania slayed by Shania um and she has an Instagram and Facebook page so please check her out but I really think <laughs> me taking this trip was very needed at that time for my daughters for me and so I returned to the trip from the trip he's back with the boys I come home and he's literally looking like a puppy dog I he knew what he did absolutely I like I said nothing to him when I came home you know, he's like standing in front of me and wanting to talk. And I just don't want to talk because I know it's over. In the meantime, we still have this court date. So he ends up disappearing on and off again up until this court date a week later after I got back from Essence. And so he showed up at the house and we had this conversation. And I said, look, Andre, I have an ultimatum for you because I started to like pull pictures off the wall. He's like, our lease was up. We owed back rent from the ups and downs we were having. I'm super embarrassed because of the police officers at the home. I'm like, I've read the book. I'm already in this space like I'm over it, even though I still want to give him this last chance. And I said, look, I'm going to give you this, this ultimatum. And he looked at me and he said, I don't want an ultimatum. I don't even want to hear it. Yeah. He has this hanging over his head. He has a family. We, we love him. The kids love him. You know, he has a relationship with my boys. The, my daughter, the second daughter, she's known him since she was two or three. And I'm still at this point trying to hold on to this fucked up relationship as a woman. Don't care about the house. I just want my relationship right. And he basically said, I don't want to ultimate him. And he left. Did not stay at the house. Left. So... What ended up happening, I don't even, I don't remember when the court date was, but I know he disappeared. My daughter went back with her father. It's now basically summer break because we just got back from Essence, which is always around July 4th. So I sent her to her dad. My old two oldest were with their dad and I don't know where he is. And so I'm like, I got to get him back home because of rent. But in my head, I'm like, I still want to leave. I just can't take it. So I talked to him and he was like, okay, I'll come home. And this is something that makes me feel weird to say, but I'm gonna have to say it 
but I kind of bribed him home for sex with sex because I wanted him here. I wanted him to get the boys and I knew in my head I was going to leave. So I waited at his job. He was about to come. He was like, well, okay, I'm about to get off. So I knew he was getting off. I put the boys in the car and went to his job. And for some reason he said, boys, ah, you know, he loves his boys. He's like, y'all come get in the car with dad. And in that instant, I said, oh my God, I don't even have to go home with him and lay in the freaking bed with him. I can leave. I can leave. I can leave. I can leave. And and my little boys, they got out the car so happy to see their dad. And the last thing I saw was Aiden's little legs. He was three. I saw his little legs running off to his dad. And that picture will forever be burnt in my head because I knew I was leaving. And I knew I was heading to New Orleans. I didn't know with who was down there. I didn't care. I just saw a light at the end of my tunnel in that moment. And I took it. I took it. My car was packed. I had packed it. I covered it up. So he, if he looked in the car, it made me look like groceries or something. I took all my pictures, documents, social security cards, birth certificates, the clothes that I wear, interview clothes, you know, my kids' most important clothes. I left everything in my house. I lost, I left my degree in my house. Like there's things that once I got down here, I was like, oh my God, I left that. But I got out. I drove and I drove. It was like six o'clock when I started and I did not get to New Orleans till probably two or three because I had to stop and sleep. But I was so excited. I was so nervous. I was so scared. I was so happy. I had 10,000 emotions in the moment. No one knew I was driving. No one knew where I was. I was getting to freedom. I was getting the freedom for me and my children and to start a new life. So this has been... Um, let me check my phone to see how many 30 minutes, the longest podcast I ever had. And the next time I'm going to pick up where I left off on my new life, freedom to New Orleans. So thank you for listening to this very emotional, very transparent podcast of April World Speaking. Um, please, anybody that's going through this, please reach out to any resources in your community to get help. Please get away from your abusers. I lost a friend in this transition. Um, I didn't lose her, but she lost a child through domestic violence. He was six years old trying to protect his mother while I was getting away to freedom for me and my children. So I highly recommend and urge anyone that's going through this to please, if you don't want family members to know, if just reach out to someone that can help you. There's resources in your community. And also, please pick up the book, Why Does He Do That? It is very eye-opening to abusive women and how we interact with our abusers in our relationships. So thank you again for listening to April World Speaking. I'm on the Anchor Podcast. I will be on iTunes shortly, but please stay posted. Um, thanks for listening to this very emotional draining podcast but I really think that it's needed um there's a sense of urgency to help others that's in the situation that I was in and I support you 100% and if you need any guidance please reach out to me um through DMs and Instagram or Facebook um 
And you can even leave comments at the end of this podcast, voice podcast, if you download the Anchor app. So thank you again. um, And I will be talking to you all soon. Have a great day, people. And God bless. Bye.